right, well, let's uh, go ahead and get started tonight in our study in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7. I'm going to try to finish off the chapter here, maybe get a little bit into to chapter 8. But um, uh, we're going to be right there towards that end of the part of the chapter um, about what uh, Solomon uh, decided to do in his life and the, the discoveries that he found. And uh, we'll uh, pick that up, but let's go ahead and pray. We'll get started tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again that we have a time and opportunity, Lord, to come and study your word. And I thank you very much for the book of Ecclesiastes and, Lord, the, the book that it is to us and uh, how it teaches us, how it guides us, and very clearly makes it known uh, what this life is like without you. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we study it tonight, you would just open the scriptures to us, that we would receive it, that Lord, it would change our hearts and it would uh, have an impact in our lives in such a way that uh, we would desire more and more to please you and desire more and more to do your will and uh, to fulfill uh, what you've asked of us and uh, our commandments that we have towards us and your righteousness and uh, your desires. I pray, Lord, you just be with me tonight and you would just uh, keep my mind on uh, your word and uh, that, Lord, this time would be pleasing and honoring unto you because uh, these are words that uh, you desire and that, Lord, uh, this time would be a time that uh, would be one of uh, learning through your Holy Spirit. And I ask and I pray all of these things in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we left off uh, last week talking over there in, um, actually not last week, but the week before, uh, talking uh, a bit about uh, this issue of uh, some wisdom. And I want to pick up here a little bit uh, just to kind of back up uh, some more. Um, and uh, we, we, we find that obviously in verse 20, uh, excuse me, back in verse 19, it says, uh, wisdom strengtheneth uh, the wise more than ten mighty men that are, which are in the city. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And that is the context of the end of this chapter. Because again, he sees uh, the idea of the strength in the flesh versus the wisdom of God. And the strength that is in the flesh is one that is not to be trusted. Uh, obviously we can see that there are things, uh, in our flesh that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, but one of the key things that as we look at here, he makes that conclusion that, that there is not adjustment upon the earth. And we know there's several other verses that support that conclusion. And in, he says very clearly that doeth good and sinneth not. And this is very much like what Paul was talking about over there in the book of Romans chapter seven that when he does that which is good, evil there is present with him. And the same thing is true here. Solomon looks at this and says, you know, when I'm trying to do good, when everyone else is trying to do good, there's that sin that is right there. That sin that is, uh, uh, um, if you will, waiting to to take us captive at its own bidding. And as we go down here uh, through this in verse 21, it says, Also take no heed unto all the words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. And again, this is in the concept of uh, uh, you, if you go about disparaging people and, if you will, cursing them for their own sin, we have to be careful because we have our own to deal with. Uh, you know, Jesus Christ makes that very clear about judgment. Uh, the whole moat in the beam, uh, that concept is what we find here, is to be very careful with that. He also talks about it, uh, Paul talks about it, in, uh, uh, not only in Romans, but in also in 1 Corinthians, talking about how we go about looking at individuals, and we have to be careful that we don't wind up, if you will, judging ourselves in that matter. Uh, and by coming down and com- uh, condemning someone, we as Christians would turn around and condemn ourselves because we are guilty of some of the same things. But what we find here in this passage, it says, again, as he se- searches for this, this quest for wisdom in verse 23, it says, all this have I proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? 
I apply my heart uh, to seek, uh, to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness and madness. <clears throat> I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands who pleaseth, uh, whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one, to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions." So one of the things that we see here is uh, we see this dynamic that is very similar to what he's discussing over in the book of Proverbs. And again, this is dealing with this, uh, the, the subject of this woman here is not the female gender as a whole, okay? He's not condemning female gender. He's not saying that every woman is evil. He's not saying that, uh, that the woman's heart is, uh, is snares and nets, you know, in the form of, uh, that. I mean, if that was the case, then there would be so many scriptures that are contrary to it. The Bible says, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Now, that would be in direct, you know, contradiction to this verse if that verse is taken at what, it, what, what, what people often think it is. But again, this woman that he's discussing, and he's talking about the wise man, he's talking about the one that actually goes out and seeks that wisdom, he's saying there are some things that are out there that we have to be very careful of. There are things that are out there that are, are lying in wait as snares and nets that are going to take us. And we're going to see some of those here in just a bit. But here he is, he's saying very clearly in verse 24, that which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? So as he's seeking this wisdom and he's he's looking for it and he's realizing it's far from him, we realize that Solomon is an individual that we often say is the wisest man, but here he's saying that it was far from him. Now, Now, what does that mean to us? Well, when we look at it, we see that he has realized the error of where he has not applied wisdom or he's applied his heart to wisdom where he should. He is, he's errored in that. He went out, if you will, after receiving wisdom from the Lord, he went out and tried to, if you will, find it himself in other things. Now, that's a lot of what this book of Ecclesiastes is about. He's looking back on his life and he's saying, look, I tried this and 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 I tried this. But again, the concept is he's trying it without God. God is not present here. So when he's searching out wisdom and he's saying it's far off and exceeding deep, who can find it? The only way that you can find it is you can find it only in the Lord. And you have to seek him to find that wisdom. Because wisdom is with God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we know that from the book of Proverbs. But here he is in verse 25, he's talking about what he sought. And I want you to see this. <clears throat> he said, I applied my heart to know. Now here's an interesting thing. We often say and talk about applying wisdom to us. But what we see from scripture is that we are to apply our heart to that wisdom. It's the wisdom that is fixed. Our heart needs to gravitate towards it. Our heart needs to be placed in it. Our heart needs to be, uh, if you will, have that as the foundation. Not the other way around. It's not that we have a fixed heart and then we have to apply something to it. It's the, the application is reversed. So when we take a look here, he's saying this is what he went and he applied his heart towards. This is what he's devoting his heart towards. This is what he's looking for in his heart. This is what his heart is desiring. And he says uh, he, he applied his heart to know. So knowledge. Knowledge is what he begins to, to, to look for. And we know that over in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that verse kind of goes parallel with what we're seeing here when he says, look, there is nobody that is just. There is nobody that doeth good and sinneth not. There is, there is, um, if you will, this, this desire to find wisdom, but people can't find it. And the reason they can't find it is because 
They despise it. They despise it. They don't like to retain God in their knowledge, according to the book of Romans chapter 1. So what we find here is we find that he's looking to know. He's looking for knowledge. Now this isn't just, you know, random knowledge per se necessarily, but he did apply his heart to find all sorts of things about knowing things about life. Because as we see here, we see that it's more than just, uh, it's not just knowledge of God he was looking for, he was looking for something else. He said, I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. So we find here that he's looking for several things. He's looking to know. He's looking for wisdom. He's looking for the reason of things. He's looking for uh, looking at the wickedness of folly. He's looking at foolishness and he's looking at madness. So in, in, the, in the entirety of his life, in what he's studying and what he's looking for, is he's looking for those patterns. He's looking and he's searching for things. And he's looking for that wisdom that can be had in everything that's there. So not only is he looking to know, obviously, if, if you will, more about the Lord, but he's looking at things of science, he's looking at things of mathematics, you know, history, politics, whatever it is, he's looking for some just base knowledge. He wants to know wisdom. He wants to know it personally. Those other things, while they seem important, were not the main focus, though. What he's looking for is that wisdom that he's searching out, that he's seeking, that he knows he needs to have. But at the same time, he comes to a conclusion that as he's seeking these things and as he's looking for the reason for things, he also has to take a look at what sin is. What losing your mind is. So here he is looking at all of these things and we find that in his search and his quest for wisdom, he begins to look at other areas. Now, there are things where, you know, and I often make this very clear, when people start asking questions about uh, false religions, false doctrines, and cults. And uh, I always caution them about studying them directly. Now, uh, I've done some things like that in my past. You know, I, I, I've read the Koran, I've read Origin of Species, you, you don't have to take my word for it, but it was a complete waste of time. Um, <clears throat> really, it was. Uh, I didn't get anything of it uh, from either one of them in any way, shape, or form as far as knowledge of God. I just looked at the depravity of uh, who wrote those books and uh, uh, and what their, their, their end goal was. Uh, you, you read Origin of Species, and it just reads like it, it, this guy is just constantly asking questions. He's like, well, I think it looks like this, but I don't know. It might be that. Who knows? It was just a bunch of questions. It, it didn't make sense. Also, it's one of the most racist books that's ever been written. Uh, it, it, even the title itself is racist. But you, you, you take a look at uh, uh, the Quran, and the Quran is just filled with just it, just anger. Hatred for mankind in general. And it was all about bondage. It was all about bringing people into bondage. It was all about oppressing people. Which is what the tribal warlord that tried to to put that religion together was seeking to do. He was seeking to conquer. He was seeking to to gain lands and and wealth for himself. Hence the creation of that. And that's gone on here in the United States of America. We've had individuals create their own religions. Uh, Scientology. That one was created as, a, as, if you will, kind of this bet with uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard said something of the nature. He said, I, I can get, go ahead and create a religion and I'll get people to give me money for it. And look at what it did, does. They're, they're very wealthy. They have tons of money. They've got tons of Hollywood money, too. You take a look at some of the other religions that started as money-making machines. The Russellites, otherwise known as Jehovah's Witness. They, they followed a man. But here's the thing, is you can go through and you can study all of those, but it's best to know what the truth is first. 
And I always caution people to say, look, before you start looking at, if you will, the, the, the wickedness that's there, before you start looking at the folly and the foolishness that's involved with those things, you better make sure that you know who, what wisdom is, where it comes from, and what the truth is. And again, to go back to a, a, a physical parallel, the Secret Service agent, when he's looking for counterfeit money, is not sitting there and studying every single counterfeit. No, he knows what the truth is. He knows what the real one feels like. And he can easily identify the fake by touch, by look, by smell. Just just simply those things there. He's capable of testing it, if you will, and realizing, okay, this is the real thing. I know what the real thing looks like. I can tell you this is a fake right away. And, and that that's something that they do is to study the original to study the truth versus to study all the fakes. Because let's be, there's so many different counterfeiters out there, you'd spend all day doing it. Between what the Iranians and the North Koreans and the Russians and the Chinese do, I mean, good grief, the amount of foreign currency that attempts to come into this country is, is, is astronomical. What are they trying to do? They're trying to undercut our economy. The end result is, is that they have to be able to identify that. And very quickly, too. And, and, and we as Christians, we have to understand that we need to be able to identify what truth is and say that doesn't match the truth. That doesn't match the truth. So here he is looking at all of these things, and I want you to know that here he is, he's seeking out wisdom. And this is exactly what he, his father told him to do. In Proverbs chapter 4, in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 3, it says, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also uh, and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words to keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore with get, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee, and she shall bring thee to honor. When thou uh, dost embrace her, she shall give uh, to thine head an ornamental, uh, ornament of grace, and a crown of glory she shall deliver to thee. This is, this is the concept. That's the woman to be sought after. That is what we are to be looking for. And as he looks at this and he says that, that he's looking at, uh, at wisdom, he's seeking it out, he's searching, he wants to know that, he's also taking a look at the reason of things. This is a very interesting thing. As we look there, he, I mean, he very clearly says that he wants to know, to search, to seek out, and the reason of things. He wants to understand why what happened happened. Now, I will tell you this, <clears throat> that is a road that is very, very, very difficult. Now, if we're talking about physical things, you can figure that out. You can figure that out. Why do we have tides? Well, we've got the moon. And because we're not a disk in Earth, we're not flat Earth, um, it pulls and pushes and so on and so forth. So we have those. At the same time, we, we can we can see why the tides happen. We can see why trees grow. We can see why people live longer. We can go and we can research things and we can look at the things of the physical world and, and why this happens and why that happens and what happens when you split atoms and then you go, oh, no. And then you try to put them back together and then it doesn't work. And, I mean, all of these things that we begin to find. And, and the desire of science should always be this. And now, and this will anger every single scientist that is out there that does not trust God as their Savior. I'll tell you this. The whole purpose behind science is this. You're searching for God in his creation. That's science. That's what, that's what Solomon's looking at here. Not only looking at the physical things. But also at the same time, he's also looking at the spiritual things. Why is it that a man that is void of understanding falls after the strange woman? Why is it 
that wisdom so diligently keeps and the other one is like a, as a, is like a dart in the liver, as he says. So we begin to realize, and as he's looking at all of these things, he's looking for the patterns of God. He's searching this out. And his conclusion that he comes to, and what he begins to find, is he begins to find that not only is he looking for wisdom and the reason of things, but he also is sitting there looking at the wickedness. And he says right there, uh, to know the wickedness of folly, even of foolishness and madness. Now here's the problem. And this is where the deviation comes in in Solomon's thinking. He wanted to know about sin. Now there are some things that we pick up along the way that we know about sin. And some people may not. I, uh, I went, part of my job, I was doing some audit work and I was, uh, this was a few years ago and, uh, I was, uh, tasked with trying to find some, some things for a state audit and uh, we needed to find these documents and, uh, we didn't have them. So we began to contact the facility. The problem is that the, the nursing home had uh, had closed, and we had to go uh, talk to the the owners of the building, and they said that the records were still in there. Well, that was a, a bit of a scary thing because when we went, uh, I got met with one of the representatives from the facility, and we went to the facility, and the facility had been broken into, and there was people living in there. They were living, uh, using the toilets. They had filled all the toilets. There was no, fl- there was no flushing, uh, there, there was no water. There was no electricity in this place. Um, and they had used all the beds. We walked in and we found, uh, right there at, uh, one, at the foot of one of the beds, somebody had a fresh case of Milwaukee's Best beer. So we knew that they had been in there recently, very recently. And, uh, we went to go look for the records and uh, I was about as comfortable as, uh, you know, a frog in boiling water. I was just, you know, on high alert because this was not good. Uh, There's no lights in every corner. You never knew what you were going to come across. So I'm just like, I'm wired. And, uh, and, and, and we come to a point where I I get to the records room and I realize that it's going to be a futile attempt to try to find the records in there because the the record boxes had fallen over and everything was spilled everywhere and it just was a mess. And I'm like, I am not going to go rooting through there uh, knowing what else is outside of this room. I'm, I'm not willing to get stuck with a needle. I'm not willing to inhale something that I shouldn't inhale and so on and so forth. And as we're there, um, I, I, I told the, um, the person that, uh, that I was with, they needed to call the cops, they needed to secure the, the, the location, they needed to do a bunch of things. And as we were standing there at one of the nurse's stations, she said, what, what is all of this, by the way? She said, why on earth have they taken every light bulb and broken the end off of it? And why is the bottom of the light bulb burned as she's handling the light bulb? And I looked at her, and she must have realized that my look on my face was not one that was pleasant. And she sets it down, and she goes, I don't understand that. And what is this baggie of this crystal stuff? And I just looked at her, and I said, that's math, and you need to put that down. Oh, oh, I shouldn't, no, put it down. And she set it down, and I said, they use those bulbs to smoke it? Now, look, I've never done math. I have absolutely no desire to. But I know how the process works. Don't ask me why. I just do. <laughs> and she was like, oh, oh, I would have never known that. You know, what? she was ignorant towards that sin. And that's not a bad thing. It's really not a bad thing. You know, when when somebody has no knowledge of how that sin operates, good. It doesn't get to occupy your space, your your mind. 
You don't get to think about it. Turn over the book of Leviticus. Leviticus uh, uh, chapter 18. I want you to see something. Now God has has clearly told us that that we're supposed to be simple towards sin. But in, in Leviticus chapter 18... Um, we see in verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. After the doings of the land of Canaan, uh, whither I bring you, ye shall not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments, and keep mine ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. And he goes through and he starts talking about all of these things and he talks about what they're not supposed to do and, and there's some things in here that are, 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 uh, somewhat, uh, uh, you know, very graphic in nature that these individuals were doing. We go through all of these things and, and he heaps it very, if you will, simple and plain. It's simple and plain. And, and if we go through and read it, we can understand it. But as we get down a little bit further here into this, and you know, he starts talking about idolatry in verse 21. Uh, he talks about, you know, obviously, uh, some things that the world today is trying to promote is pride in verse 22, uh, a bunch of other things throughout here. And, and you get down to the very last verse. And it, well, actually, let's back up here just a little bit. Into verse 26, he says, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourn among you. For all these abominations which the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled. That land, that the land spew you not, spew not you out also, when you defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore, ye shall keep mine ordinance that ye commit uh, not any one of these abomination, abominable customs which were committed before you, and ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. So this is just one passage where he goes into some of this detail, and he makes it very clear uh, that there are certain things that he does not want the nation of Israel to do. He doesn't want them to follow after these things. And these things are pretty horrific. But one of the things that we find about this is he makes it clear that these abominable customs shouldn't be operate, shouldn't be done by anybody, including the strangers. Now I've had a lot of people talk about this and this may be a bit of a tangent in the bunny trail, but I just have to say this. I've had a lot of people start quoting the chapters and verses out of the book of Leviticus about how we're supposed to treat the stranger, and they use it to talk about how we treat the immigrants here in the United States of America. Okay, if we're going to use those verses, then we need to use these verses too. That means they don't get to bring any other gods into this country. Oh, no, well, we can't follow that one. No, but we can follow the other one? Look, it's, it's all or nothing here, folks. That's what angers me when people try to use the word of God to justify their sin. They don't read the rest of the passage. They don't read the rest of the book. They don't read the Bible itself. And the same thing we see here is he's saying, look, you go and do those things, the land's going to spew you out. The land's going to reject you. Now, that's an interesting thing. You know... If you've ever been to the Middle East, the Middle East is not what I would call a garden spot. There's a lot of dirt, a lot of sand, a lot of palm trees and sagebrushes, and there's a couple little, if you will, garden oasis areas. But for the most part, you go over there and take a look at it, it's just not a place that you would like, really think is beautiful. You know, you go over to some places like, say, um, uh, the Czech Republic, I know they've got a different name from themselves now, but, but you go over there and you look at the architecture and you look at the beauty of what they built. And there's some amazing things over there. You go over there and take a look at some of the, 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 the architecture and the way that they built things over there in London. And, and those are beautiful things. And there's some beautiful architecture over there. Specifically in Lebanon, there were some just amazing things that are over there. Uh, beautiful areas 
just absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, but most of them have been destroyed and ravaged by war. But the end result is this. That land isn't what it used to be. That land is not doing what it's supposed to do. Didn't God say that the land was going to rebel against them? Didn't the land, didn't God say that the land was not going to yield forth its fruit? Can you imagine in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when he sets up that kingdom and he restores that area and they're there and there, there's no more curse upon that land, that promised land. Can you imagine the garden spot that area is going to be? I can't even begin to fathom it. Because you look at it now and you're like, well, it's a wasteland. And you go up there to the Golan Heights and you're like, really? This is it? Look, a rock. Oh, look, there's another one. I mean, it, it, it's just, you know, you look at the plains and the fields and yeah, there's some lush greenery that's down there. But it doesn't look anything like what's described in scripture. Because the land is is desolate. Because Israel has forgotten God. But he warns them here in Leviticus. He says, don't do it. Don't do it. And he gives a very, if you will, some brief descriptions about some of those things. But he doesn't go into a lot of detail. He doesn't go into a lot of detail. And when we start looking towards things of wickedness, and as, as Solomon began to look for at wickedness of folly, some of those things led him into a path that he shouldn't have gone. Because you find that at some point in time, he thinks it's best in his own wisdom, not God's wisdom, to marry a whole bunch of women and have a whole bunch of concubines to make peace for the Israel. That was of the flesh. That wasn't of God. God actually specifically commanded that the kings were not to multiply to themselves horses and wives. He made that very clear. He said uh, to Moses, and Moses reiterated it to the people, when you look around and you all of a sudden decide that you want a king to rule over you, here's what you need to make sure this king does. King cannot multiply, if you will, wives and 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 uh, horses, meaning the riches and things of that of this world to themselves. He's supposed to go out and write himself his own copy of the law, so that he has it for himself, be his own scribe, and and, and know exactly what Scripture says. But one of the things that we find in regards to this is we find that that if you go seek after what the things of the, the wickedness of folly is, you'll find it. Now, if there's one thing that you can find in this world is how to sin really quickly. Well, we got this lovely thing called the Internet. And you can type just about anything on there and you can find just about anything. They always talk about the dark web and things like that. And I'm like, <clears throat> look, I understand the dark web's got some nefarious stuff going on in there. And I know that there's, there's, there's stuff that happens on that. But I think just the Internet itself has got some major issues. It's got some major problems. You know, people are always talking about, you know, uh, um, how do we stop these these mass killings that happen and occur? How do we stop people from being serial killers and murderers and people like that? It's not about trying to take away what they're going to use for it. It's about changing their heart. The only way you're going to do that is, is to get more Jesus Christ into the into the country. To get more Bible-based beliefs and principles. Because one of the things that you find with every single one of these people that they call mass shooters, you know what their main thought process is? They're nihilists, meaning that they do not believe in God and they do not believe in morals. Every last one of them rejects God and rejects morality. Well, that should tell you something right there. That's the problem. That's the problem. They've rejected God, and they've rejected His Word. That's why they are who they are. But, oh, no, we can't say that, because then that would be forcing religion on somebody. Well, then prepare yourself for more. 
Prepare yourself for more. Because they will do it and they will find a way to do it. Perfect example, Japan. He was assassinated. The guy was assassinated by a gun. You know how hard it is to get a gun in Japan? Pretty much have to sell your left kidney. It's not easy. But yet, it was obtained. He made it. They'll do what they're going to do. And as he goes down this path, he begins to find sin. You go down the path and you seek God, you'll find him. You'll find him. And he makes it very clear. What does he say? He says that if you go about the, the, you know, seeking the Lord, you will find the Lord. God has obligated himself to reveal himself if you are looking for him. At the same time, sin makes itself very well known. And here's Solomon, and what does he start looking at? The wickedness of folly. The wickedness of folly. But he fell for it. He fell right into its trap. You take a look there in, in, in verse 25, and it says uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes 7, and to know the wickedness of folly, even the fo- even of foolishness and madness. Foolishness, the things that, that, that the fool promotes. And what does the fool promote? The fool promotes a lack of instruction. The fool promotes a lack of wanting God. The fool is essentially that nihilist that we were talking about. But here we find very clearly that this is what he begins to look at. And then he delves into the world, if you will, of psychology, madness. (laughs) And he starts looking at those things. What makes a man mad? What makes a man go crazy? What makes a man lose his mind? And he begins to find out exactly what. Because you find... In verse 26, he, here, here's this conclusion that he says. He says, and I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. And he discovers there's another woman beside wisdom. Turn to the book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. In Proverbs chapter 2. We see here as he, as he begins to, uh, talk about in verse, uh, um, let's just, just go up here just a little bit. Um, into uh, verse 10, he says, When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant to thy, unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Now, I love that verse because you know what that means? That if you actually do what God's going to tell you to do, you will keep yourself out of trouble. You'll keep yourself out of trouble. So the inverse is true. If you fail to seek after wisdom, then you are looking into wickedness of folly and foolishness and madness, you're looking into causing yourself some serious harm. Because you just simply won't do what God tells you to do. Well, that's a problem. But here he goes on a little bit further in verse 12. He says, To deliver thee from the way of the evil man and from the man that speaketh forward things, who lead the paths of uprightness and to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness uh, uh, of the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they uh, and they forward in their paths from the harlot. Excuse, uh, sorry, not, not the part there. Uh, to deliver thee from the strange woman, verse sixteen, even from the stranger which flat earth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. It says very clearly in verse 19, none that go in unto, that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. 
Now he's not talking about here what some people think of as a prostitute. What he's talking about is he's talking about the absence of wisdom. Wisdom is one woman, and the foolishness and the iniquity is another one. And he compares, and he talks about the evilness of man, and he talks about uh, this evil woman that's there, and he's talking about how they will do things to ensnare and entrap, and it becomes very, very difficult to escape that. Once you begin down a path of sin, it is not very easy to correct it. It is not easy to correct it. Talking about in Sunday school, struggling about the, 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 the conflict within us, the war and the battle that rages on, and how we fight against temptation and we fight against doing uh, <coughs> the things that are sinful and, and, and having to do those things that are right, and we struggle with that. But what we clearly find here is he's talking about this in the form of, of a woman because he's using it to say that she is alluring. She looks like something that somebody would want. But there's also beauty with wisdom. But it's a wholesomeness versus something else. And when you begin to compare these throughout the book of Proverbs, you find that there is the wise man and the fool, and you find that the wise man is the one seeking after wisdom, and the fool is the one that is going after, if you will, the strange woman. And this is how he referred to it. He, He talked about it with strange gods to the nation of Israel. Go over to um, chapter 4. Chapter 4 of the book of Proverbs. Take a look at verse, uh, let's see here. In verse 14, we read the first part where what wisdom does. In verse 13, it says, Take fast hold of instruction, let her not go, keep her. For she is thy life. So he now he's also talking about instruction in a female sense. And he says in verse 14, Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it. Turn from it, pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause it some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And here he is talking about there's a woman that you need to be pursuing. But these men and these women that he begins to relate here, the ones that he says, I can't find a good one among the lot. He says, those are the ones we need to avoid. These are the ones that we need to be careful with. Take a look at chapter 5, and as he goes on into this verse, uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is as sharp as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to hell, her steps take hold on hell. Thus I should ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know him, or know them. Now look, that doesn't describe a harlot. That doesn't describe a prostitute. He's talking about her feet go down, as it says there, her feet go down to, to death, her steps take hold on hell. We're talking about a godless mentality. And, and again, here this is, this is that strange woman. And I like how God rephrases this because he says this is the strange woman. What is strange to us is foreign. What is strange to us is odd. What is strange to us is something that is not normal. It's not normal. I mean, you know, <clears throat> let's say you're, you're sitting down, you're eating your bowl of Wheaties in the morning, and, and you're, 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 you look over at your dog, and all of a sudden your dog stands up on two legs, and he just walks over to the kitchen cabinet, opens it up, takes out a bowl, and then pours in his own food, puts it down, begins to eat it. You would say that's strange. Or a very well-trained dog. You would go, that, that's just strange. That's just strange. There's some of those videos that are out there 
You got the little pug that's out there and you think the pug's going to bark and it screams like bloody murder. It's like, ah! And you're like, that's not a bark. That's strange. Why? Because when, when you, when you look at a dog, you expect the dog to go bark. Not scream like it's dying. So when you look at things that are outside of the will of God, they should be foreign and strange to you. When you look at things in such a way that you realize that the absence of God in your life is strange, then you begin to understand what Solomon's talking about here. We need wisdom, which is close to God, which is God, comes from God, and we need to look at everything else as that's strange and I don't want any part of it. Somebody comes up to you and offers you something to drink. You take a look down in there and there's something floating in it. Now some people would just look at it and go and try to determine what it is and drink it anyways. Look, somebody hands you something to drink and you don't know who that person is, don't drink it. Just word of advice. We live along the I-5 corridor, which is a nasty little corridor, okay? For trafficking. But... There, there, there it is. You, you look at it and you, it's got a weird color. It's got a weird film to it. There's stuff floating in there. And you look at it and you go, that looks strange. It's got this nice bright neon green color. And somebody looks at it and says, that, well, that, that, that's Coca-Cola. Like that is not Coca-Cola. No, no, it's Coca-Cola. It was Coca-Cola at one point in time. Well, it has moved itself aright in the cup. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to touch that thing. It's strange to me. Well, the same thing should be anything that is outside of God. Because remember, the whole purpose behind why why uh, um, Solomon's writing these things is he says is the purpose of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. So he looks at this and he says, these are all strange. Turn to chapter 9, chapter 9 of the book of Proverbs. Chapter 7 goes through and it begins to talk all about how that strange woman seduces. And notice it takes the man that is void of understanding. The man that is void of understanding, meaning it's not there. And I'm not talking about, if you will, the, 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 the head knowledge. I'm talking about the mind that is of the heart that is connected in that soul, that there is no knowledge. There's no understanding of who God is and what God has said is right and wrong. It doesn't exist. It is absent. It was never there to begin with. In chapter 9, and you jump down to uh, verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 13, he says, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple. And knoweth nothing, for she sitteth at the door of her house, on a seat in the high places of the city, to call passengers who go right on their way. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, A stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, that he knoweth not the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of hell. Now, again, when he's talking about a foolish woman here, he's talking again about things that are outside of God. Because remember, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. This woman is talking about it, and she's trying to lure him in and saying, oh, it'll be pleasant, don't worry about it, nobody will know. And then what happens? The guy has no concept and no realization of the fact that it is death and hell in her presence. It's wickedness. It's wickedness. That's what foolishness gets us. And here's Solomon talking all about that. So as he begins to look at this, and he, going back over to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and, and he says that, that um, whoso pleases God shall escape from her. Again, this is the mentality. We are to please God according to Revelations chapter 4 and according to the end, if you will, conclusion of this book as well as other passages. Here it is talking about pleasing God and fleeing from that woman that is a snare and a net meant to capture, to, 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 to bring into bondage. Well, there's liberty in Christ. Not bands of bondage. So we know this is outside of God. And it says the sinner shall be taken by her. 
deceived. The person that, can, that goes after the sinful things is the person that is going to seek those things that she brings. The one that wants sin. The one that looks for it. And we see here that in this passage, in the next verse, in verse 27, he says, Behold, this I have found, saith the preacher, counting one by one, to find out the account. He starts looking at everything. He starts making the comparison. He starts making a determination, and as he goes through and he begins to look at how people respond, he's talking about the evil man and talking about the, the foolish and strange woman here, talking about all of these individuals, he goes through and he begins to take a look at them, and what does he find as he goes through? He says, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not one man among a thousand have I found. He says, I can't even find that. One man among a thousand. He says he's seeking it, but he finds it not. He just wants to find one. He just wants to find one. And then as he takes a look at all the other false religions that his wives brought into his house and brought into the nation of Israel, what was his conclusion with it? But a woman among all of these have I not found. And here's the important part of this. There is one man that came that was sinless and is sinless. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is very familiar with a woman known as Wisdom. She dwells with him. They're together. You can't separate them. And here's what needs to be sought. Here's what people need to seek after. The wisdom of God. The knowledge of God. The understanding of God. The instruction of God. Not not the things of this world. Not the physical things. Because he already said the physical things don't offer anything in verse 19. Somebody that's strong. Big deal. How about somebody that's wise? But it's wise. When I was weightlifting, man, you get those guys that come in there and they just act, I mean, you know, it's a gym. And it, I'm sure it's just as bad now as it was back then. You get these guys and they, they see a woman and guess what they want to do? They want to perform. And they're just like, you know, and doing stupid stuff. And you're just like, can you just move off the machine so I can use it, please? You know, you're just waiting for the guy to get done with his, you know, his, his little exhibition of whatever he's doing to try to impress everyone. And he doesn't impress anyone. He just looks like a fool. He just looks like a fool. Anyways, you know, you, you, you see all of that and you see these guys and, 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 and sometimes you get these guys that, that, that they're so, so strength focused that they never take time to develop that thing that God gave them inside their skull called the brain. They don't work that out. They don't work out their salvation. They don't exercise their senses to discern good and evil. No, they're concerned about the physical body. Because I tell you, your strength doesn't matter. Your strength isn't going to win the fight. If you know how to fight and you know what to do, you can take the guy out and you have, like, he could have a hundred pounds on you. It's wisdom. But that's in the physical thing. So let's set aside the flesh. You know what's more important? More important would be to see a young man or a young woman that has wisdom in the word of God than has any physical ability or any physical strength. Great, you can work. Can you think according to scripture? Because let's be honest. That's what makes a real man and a real woman. Not the physical things you've done, but your relationship with Jesus Christ. And Solomon says, I haven't found one. All the things that I've researched, all the things I've looked at, I haven't found anything. I haven't found anything. In verse 29, he says, lo, this only have I found. 
He didn't find any of those things he was looking for, but he did find one thing that God showed him. Lo, this only have I found, that God made man upright. But they have sought out many inventions. And here's the issue. When God makes man and breaks him in the garden, it's perfect. But he sought out something. He rebelled against God. He was disobedient. And the same thing is true today. Persons, persons born, they come into this world. They're innocent and pure. And then what happens? There's the infiltration of invention. The thought of sin. The entertaining of sin. The desire to know sin. And the next thing you know, is they're outside the will of God. And it can happen really early. I'm still mortified that there are, uh, that, uh, you know, over in London that there was five-year-olds that decided that they wanted to go test and, and see what it was like to kill a man. So they went and found a homeless person and then killed him. Five years old. Five years old. Something wrong in the house. Well, let's be honest. England got rid of God a long time ago. Long time ago. Stuff like that happens over here in the United States and we're appalled. We clutch our pearls. <gasps> the reason why is because nobody's seeking the wisdom that comes from this book. Nobody's seeking instruction. We don't teach them this. We teach them something else. We teach them how to invent sin. We teach them how to sin. We teach them the paths of wickedness. The paths of foolishness. We help put up billboards to the foolish woman's house. That's what we do in this society. And we say, you need to go over there. That woman with wisdom, nah, she's just a little too ultra-religious for you. Nope. That's the key to knowing who God is. That's why we seek her. That's how we seek God. That's how we seek to do what is right and to please Him. Not go after all these other things. Here Solomon's lamenting that. He's lamenting what he's come up with. But God did reveal something to him. And God revealed, man just has that tendency. Jeremiah chapter 17. The heart is desperately wicked, right? Who can know it? God does. God does. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. We're not going to get into chapter 8, but... uh, uh, I, I just want to kind of hit that that first question there, and he asks that question, which he does with a lot of this a lot of this book. Who is as the wise man, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? Here he is talking about being wise and who the wise man is, and all those things, and he says, "All right, now we're going to ask the question. Let's ask in a rhetorical. Let's ask in a teaching way. Who is as the wise man?" What, is, what, what, what do they look like? What patterns do they have? What do they hold true? And we go into this further uh, um, next week, but uh, it's pretty interesting to see that. But let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to study your word. Pray, Lord, that as we continue to think about this, that, Lord, we would just uh, realize that uh, seeking out the things that... Um, of sin and seeking out the things of uh, of wickedness is not where we're supposed to be. But Lord, we're to seek after wisdom. And while it's far and, and it may be out there a ways, Lord, we know that if we have that relationship with you, we can find it. We can find it in your word, and you've clearly given it to us. Lord, may we have that desire to continue in the uprightness that you've given Lord, may we have a desire to put away those wicked inventions and those evil things that the world comes about and that we ourselves think on and create in our own minds. 
And Lord, may we please just have a time and opportunity this week, Lord, to reflect on our life and ask, am I seeking wisdom? Am I seeking diligently that which you've told us to seek? That I may know more about you. And these things I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.